Tere, and welcome back to History of Estonia podcast. Episode 41 Estonia in World War II The Period of Bases In this episode, we get back to our historical narrative as laid out in the book History of Estonia, published in 1997 and authored by Tonu Tanberg, Ein Messalu, Tonis Lukas, Matti Lauer, and Agu Payer. Germany and Russia have always been the major powers competing for dominations of Estonia and Latvia. To small nations and people, this even draws to the possibility of eventual loss of language and therefore culture. Hence the term Russification, which is of course to culturally assimilate small nations into that of greater Russia. In the late 19th century and in the mid to latter half of the 20th century, Russification of Estonia was a goal for the Russian Empire and later the Soviet Union. Russification was a plan carried out in the late 19th century to culturally assimilate locals by way of conducting local government business in Russian and teaching children in school Russian, while Russianization in the latter half of the 20th century was a process of resettling Russians from greater Russia into Estonia. Now, this is part of the podcast we start to cover topics that really affect people's emotions because we have to intermix history and its connections to modern times. Since we are dealing with the shadow of World War II, which is what we are getting ready to cover. The Estonian government leading up to World War II was headed up by the president Konstantin Petz and backed by the commander-in-chief of the military, Johann Leidener who were in practical terms running a dictatorial regime. This point was highlighted to me recently when I was given many books by a local Estonian whose family fled Estonia during the war. One book specifically looks to be a wonderful resource as it basically a book produced in 1935 during the Pets regime that describes the country in English and in great detail and I will use it as another resource. In this book, it breaks down the country's demographics in 1935, which was 88.2% Estonian, 8.5% Russian, living on the eastern frontier, with livelihood generally coming from agriculture and fishing. Germans, which only accounted for 1.5% of the whole population, mostly living in towns, playing prominent roles in industry, while they were no longer able to hold a monopoly. Swedes made up 0.7%, living mostly on the islands of the Baltic Sea, and largely made their living fishing. And in 1935, still looked like Swedes did on these islands 200 years earlier, wearing national costumes and maintaining many of the old traditions. In 1989, by comparison, only 61.5% were Estonian, while 
30.3% were Russian, 3.1% Ukrainian, and 1.8% Belarusian. This was a direct result of the brutal war we are getting ready to cover. As another resource I've read for this section of the podcast is Preet Buttar's book, Between Giants, in which he writes that in 1936, the NKVD, which was the predecessor of the KGB, reported there were many growing links between Estonian government officials and Germany. While the Estonian government believed that the Latvian government was already completely in the service of Germany, although many ordinary Latvians were pro-Soviet. On June 7, 1939, a German-Latvian and German-Estonian non-aggression pact was signed, with the Latvian diplomats joking, Germany may rest in peace that Latvia won't attack it. The Treaty on Bases On the 24th of September, Vyacheslav Molotov put forward a proposal to the Estonian Foreign Minister Karl Selter to conclude a pact of mutual assistance between the two countries, according to which Soviet naval bases would be established on Estonian territory. In case of disagreement, he threatened to use force. On the 25th and 26th of September, the claims of Moscow were discussed by the Estonian government and commissions of parliament. At the same time, planes of the powerful neighbor circled above Tallinn. On the Estonian border, the forces of the Red Army were assembled, outnumbering the Estonian army by some 20 or 30 times. The equipment of the Estonian army would have sufficed for only a couple of months, and supplies would have been cut off. In addition, Estonian had fallen into international isolation and could only count on its own forces. In this situation, the the decision was taken to accept the requirements of the Soviet Union. A delegation was sent to Moscow, including the foreign minister Karl Selter, the Estonian ambassador in Moscow, August Ray, and professors Ans Piep and Yuri Uluots. Vyacheslav Molotov announced that, as a Soviet vessel, the medalist, had meanwhile been sunk in Narva Bay, the Soviet government had been forced to decide to station 35,000 troops on Estonian soil to protect their naval bases. The Estonian army consisted of 15,000 men at the time. After lengthy negotiations, all that the Estonian delegation achieved was a reduction in the initial number of troops. On the 28th of September, 1939, the Pact of Mutual Assistance was signed. According to this pact, both countries had to avoid alliances directed against each other and to provide mutual assistance in the case of attack or the danger of an attack. The Soviet Union promised to sell Estonia weapons on favorable terms, and Estonia allowed the Soviet Union naval bases on Sarama and Hiyuma Islands and near Paldiski. In a secret supplementary protocol, the number of forces was specified at 25,000 men, 
the Soviet Union was given the right to use the port of Tallinn for a period of two years. And it was established that assistance would be provided only when the partner asked for it. Soviet leaders gave an oral assurance that the Soviet Union would respect Estonian sovereignty and would not intrude in the internal affairs of Estonia. On the 2nd of October, a Soviet military delegation arrived in Tallinn to specify the details of the location of bases, as well as the process of movement of troops into Estonia. In addition, the locations agreed to in Moscow, the representatives of the Red Army insisted on stationing troops inland. As a compromise, they received permission to station troops near Hapsalu and to build reserve airfields near Kusiku and Ketna. On the 18th of October, the gates of the border were opened. By road and rail, 25,000 soldiers of the Red Army, together with their technical equipment, spread over the territory of Estonia. The arrival of the troops, which took four days, caused some restrictions for local people, but no conflicts occurred. Initially, mutual relations remained cordial. The soldiers of the Red Army lived in closed territories. Their movement was restricted and they were not allowed to communicate with Estonians. The Estonian side avoided any incidents. Minor conflicts, where they occurred from time to time, were quickly resolved. Serious problems were, fa were faced by the people whose homes were in the territories of the bases. According to orders from the government, these homes had to be abandoned immediately. Due to the growing ambitions of Soviet Russia, the threat of the Estonian Republic could be sensed more clearly. The small clique in power since 1934 began to look for options for increasing their number of supporters. Karl Enpolu, who had become fairly unpopular, resigned from the head of government. The formation of new cabinet was entrusted to Yuri Uluwats. He tried to involve opposition groups from the veterans to left-wing socialists. The results were not promising. Only Ants Peep agreed to take the post of foreign minister. The steps taken by the new government confirmed that all hopes for the liberalization of the situation had been premature. The state of national emergency remained. Parties were forbidden, the press was subjected to censorship, and the Rigikogu discussed issues of secondary importance. An essential event in the domestic life of Estonia was the departure of the Baltic Germans. On the 7th of October, the German government announced a decision to call to the homeland all Germans living in the Baltic countries, the Soviet Union and Italy. And 10 days later, the first ship full of Germans left the port of Tallinn. In seven months, about 14,000 people left Estonia, as well as the Baltic Germans. Many Germanized Estonians also resettled. The campaign strengthened rumors about selling the Baltic countries to the Soviet Union. The continuing war in Europe increased economic problems in Estonia. 
the list of foodstuffs only available with ration cards lengthened. Prices of many consumer goods went up. Due to the decreasing option for export, the income of the state fell and unemployment increased. These problems activated left-wing forces who began to establish contacts with the Red Army and the embassy of the Soviet Union. Communist activities were rejected by the Soviet Union, which as yet had a negative attitude towards such undertakings in Estonia. After signing the Treaty on Bases, Estonian foreign policy became dependent on the Soviet Union. Although Moscow gave assurances that it would respect the independence of small states, it was clear that the fate of the Estonian Republic was in the hands of its eastern neighbor. The war limited the chances of communication with Western countries, more so since they actually lacked any interest or wished to negotiate over the fate of Estonia. The split was aggravated by the fact that the Estonian government gave the outside world inadequate and too little information about the real situation in Estonia. Estonian cooperation with Latvia and Lithuania became more active. All three countries found themselves in similar situation, having concluded a pact of mutual assistance with the Soviet Union. The relations of Estonia with the Soviet Union became closer. In December 1939, General Johann Leidener made a visit to Moscow, where he was once more assured about the plans of the Soviet Union to develop friendly relations with Estonia. Several other delegations also paid visits to the Soviet Union. Economic relations between the two countries developed quickly. The international situation of Estonia was complicated by the Winter War, which broke out at the end of November between Finland and the Soviet Union. The majority of Estonians secretly sympathized with the Finns, and many young men illegally crossed the Gulf of Finland in order to support their neighbors in their struggle. Officially, neutrality was preserved. The Estonian delegation remained neutral even in the plenary assembly of the League of Nations, where a decision was made to exclude the Soviet Union from the world organization. At the same time, Russian planes took off from the airfields located in Estonia to bomb Finnish towns. Estonia's mild attempts to protest did not receive any attention from Moscow. In the spring of 1940, a favorable time arrived for the Soviet Union to do away with the sovereignty of the Baltic countries. According to a peace treaty concluded in March, Finland gave up any military resistance. In May, Germany started a decisive military action on the Western Front, occupying Denmark, Norway, and the Netherlands, Belgium, and invading France. In the middle of June, Paris was taken, and on 22nd June, France surrendered. This was the period when relations worsened between Estonia and the Soviet Union. The number of soldiers in Soviet bases considerably exceeded the permitted limits. Moscow claimed an extension of the territories of the bases, 
the whole town of Poldiski was given up to the control of the Soviet Navy. The Soviet press blamed the Baltic countries for violating the treaties of bases. On 14 June 1940, Moscow delivered an ultimatum to Lithuania, demanding immediate replacement of the Lithuanian government and permission for the forces of the Red Army to enter Lithuanian territory. On the same day, military aggression against Estonia began. The Soviet Air Force shot down a Finnish airliner that had taken off from Tallinn. The Soviet Navy blockaded Estonian ports, and troops in the bases were put on a state of combat readiness. On 16 June, the ultimatum delivered to Lithuania was also presented to Estonia and Latvia. Eight hours were given to meet the demands. As there was no hope of military resistance, the government decided to yield. On the early morning of 17 June, the forces of the Red Army crossed the Estonian border. Some 80,000 Soviet soldiers spread all over the country. All the bigger towns were garrisoned, and troops from the bases occupied Tallinn. The occupation had actually already taken place when, on 17 June, General Leidener signed the Narva Decree at the railway station of Narva. According to this, control over all communications passed to the Red Army. Political demonstrations and public meetings were prohibited, and civilians had to surrender their arms. The latter move was meant to disarm the Kitesalite or the Defense League. The brief period of independence of the Estonian Republic was replaced by occupation. So, if you take anything away from this episode, I hope it will be the knowledge that Estonia did not willingly go into the Soviet Union. They were coerced militarily to accept Soviet forces onto their territory. This coercion was a massive military buildup of troops numbering approximately 20 to 30 to 1 on the Estonian border with the Soviet Union, which gave the Estonian government really no reasonable alternatives other than to sign the treaty on bases on the 28th of September, 1939. Thank you for listening, and until next time, Nagamiseni.